Hello and Happy New Year. We begin 2020 by looking back at 2019. We appreciate everyone who listened to the Providence College podcast last year, and we enjoyed using this medium to share the stories of some of the interesting, engaging, accomplished people who make up the Friartown community. We're looking forward to much more of the same in the coming year. Speaking of interesting, engaging, and accomplished, we begin 2020 with our most popular podcast of last year, a late summer conversation with Father James Cuddy, PC's Vice President for Mission and Ministry. Father James has been in that role for about a year, having previously served as chaplain for seven years. In between, he was the pastor of St. Joseph Church in New York City for two and a half years. Father is a Braintree, Massachusetts native who graduated from PC in 1998. And welcome, Father, to your long-awaited and much-anticipated uh, appearance on the Providence College podcast. Thanks, Joe. I'm very happy to be here and only uh, a little bit placated by the invitation at this point. Exactly how many guests did you have to go through before you finally decided to invite me? Oh, you're the first one. No, because so. I, I jumped at the opportunity <laughs> and finally, at long last, I thought, why have I not been invited onto the podcast? And, I, and frankly, some of the guests that you've had on before, uh, not so sure. I thought, this guy? We've been Did Joe Carr has this guy on? We've been practicing okay. to try to get ready <laughs> Joe, to get to the point where we could have you on. I accept so that and believe that with my whole heart. I'm really happy to be here with you today. So lots of titles, father, vice president, and now lieutenant. That's you it. Recently, or not so recently, but you were commissioned a lieutenant in the Navy late last year and recently finished some training to be a, a Navy Reserve chaplain. Tell us a, a little more about this and start with, with what inspired you to take this step in your ministry. Yeah, uh, great question. Um, uh, yeah, very, very happy to have finished uh, what they call uh, basic, the basic leadership course, the uh, professional naval uh, chaplaincy school, uh, which is in Newport, which is nice, nice short uh, commute. And um, yeah, this was a kind of a vocation within a vocation. Uh, some, I, I've been uh, the happiest Dominican priest in the world, almost unfairly happy with uh, all of the things I've been able to do and the, the, the Dominican brothers with whom I've had an opportunity to live and serve and, and uh, all of that dating back to my own time as a student here, uh, getting to know the Dominicans then. So this is sort of a, a, a call within a call, uh, recognizing that the, the men and women who serve in uh, armed forces and in particular uh, in the Navy, the Marines, and the Coast Guard, because that's who the Navy chaplains uh, serve, uh, they have a, 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 tremendous, uh, a tremendous role and responsibility in, in serving our country and serving places around the world, and oftentimes uh, serving in harm's way and having to do things and see things that uh, no one should really have to do, uh, have to see. And, and, and how, do you, how do you prepare yourself for something like that? How can you... How do you make sense of, of some of those things? And so it's always, I've always had a very uh, near and dear place in, in my own heart and in my prayers for, for those who are serving in that capacity. And uh, I came to know some, some, uh, some Navy chaplains and come to respect them, admire the work that they had done. And, uh, and it asked uh, our provincial years ago, you know, if the opportunity ever comes up and if there's ever a need for uh for guys from our province to serve in this capacity, I, I'd be very happy to do so. Uh, and so that kind of, you know, he gave me, he gave me the, okay, yeah, sounds good. Let me uh, write this down in my imaginary notebook because we're never going to talk about it again. Uh, and so, you know, I, 
I made the offer and put it out there and it didn't go anywhere and okay. But it never went away in, in prayer. So sort of a, it was in the background. It's something that I'd like to do if the opportunity presented itself. And uh, a couple of years ago, our, our provincial uh, gave the, the thumbs up to pursue uh, pursue this call within the call. And so we were off and running. And, uh, and every step along the way, Joe, there have been a lot of confirmations here that this is what God has in store as, as part of my, my vocation to be a, a Dominican friar and priest. Can you give an example of that? What were some of the things that made you know this was the right decision for you? Well, there were a, a couple of occasions where I had, um, as you mentioned, I, I commissioned uh, last fall, and so I've been doing you know, standard reserve stuff uh, one weekend a month, uh, and then you get some annual training a couple weeks over the course of, of the year. And uh, during a regular drill weekend, I had an opportunity to speak with uh, a sailor who had just come off of uh, an active deployment for about eight months and was having a hard time uh, reintegrating into his ordinary life. And, you know, how do you step back into the family after that kind of time away? There's all sorts of adjustments. And so I, I was able to uh, have a great conversation with this this particular fellow and had a, uh, in the midst of that, felt like, all right, this is this is really where God wants me this Sunday morning here. Uh, in another kind of uh, funnier confirmation, I find myself in this this these last eight weeks of training. Uh, it's we we'd get up at four in the morning, we'd step off for for uh, physical training at four thirty, and you know you're down in this field in Newport that's uh, it's been visited by geese. Uh, I don't know. Give everyone a second to kind of take that in. The geese were not there, but you knew that the geese had been there. And you're getting barked at by a Marine gunnery sergeant who's encouraging you to do more push-ups than you care to do at that time. And, you know, you start to laugh a little bit and kind of uh, get into all that and realize that normal people don't actually enjoy doing this at this time in this place. Uh, And so the fact that you can form those relationships with all of the other chaplains who are going through the same thing and actually uh, take great joy in that. Again, it's something complementary to all of the ordinary ministerial things that we do here at the college and elsewhere in the Dominican world. Uh, you know, if, if, if you're happy doing that sort of stuff, it's you can take that as a sign that you're in a good place. So this program, it would seem, would have involved chaplains from various denominations. What was that? Part of the experience like for you? Yeah, one of the great things about uh, military chaplaincy is that uh, you're, you're a chaplain for all people. And and we'll have a chance to talk about this a little bit more, I'm, I'm sure, when we talk about mission and ministry here at Providence College. Uh, the, uh, you know, of course, you want to provide uh, religious ministry for those uh, of the same faith. So, you know, for a Catholic chaplain, you're saying Mass and hearing confessions and, uh, you know, and serving the, the Catholic population, whether it's on a ship or at a base chapel or you're working with the Marines, uh, you know, with a, a Marine battalion someplace. Uh, but not everyone shares your faith. So you want to make sure that the you, you fulfill the, the second role of a chaplain is to facilitate religious worship for all of these these folks according to their own traditions. So if you're, you know, you've got a, a complement of, uh, of, of Protestants or Muslims or, or Jewish uh, sailors and Marines, that you're able to help them to worship and to pray in ways proper to their own faiths, uh, whether it's uh, by identifying and training uh, lay leaders or finding someone who's able to come in uh, 
a, a professional minister, as it were, who's able to come in and, and serve in that capacity. Uh, it's, it's important for the chaplain to facilitate the, the free exercise of religion for all of those folks uh, of different faiths. So uh, that was something that we, was reflected in all of the other members of my class in, uh, in the basic leadership course. In fact, for the first four weeks, I was the only Catholic. Uh, and so that was, it was an interesting thing to try to engage in those conversations, both trying to learn about uh, the different faiths represented by my, uh, all my, my colleagues and friends in the chaplain corps, but also try to help them to better understand uh, the Catholic faith. And so we had, a, we, had, uh, we had devotional periods every morning led by one of the chaplains, and my morning came up. And so I, had a, uh, I led them in uh, a session called Cultivating a Devotion to St. Joseph, and so the first thing starts with, okay, listen, Catholics do not worship saints. We'll start right there. And here's why St. Joseph is to be revered right here. You know, it's sort of uh, uh, because those relationships were already there, there was great uh, personal esteem and respect there. We're able to kind of needle each other a little bit. Sorry, listen, knuckleheads, this is, this is what you think. You're wrong. Here's why Catholics do not worship saints. Here's... Uh, here's why we, we incorporate the saints into our, our lives of prayer and all of this. And here's why you should be doing it. And here's how you do it. And so you find yourself doing, uh, uh, chants in, in proper Dominican tones and all of this. And this is something that I assure you are, our separated brethren had never heard before. Uh, you know, so there's an opportunity to, to, uh, to, to learn from all these other folks and to, uh, and to teach a little bit as well. That's, that's interesting, that opportunity or even almost responsibility as the Catholic chaplain in this group. You're, these Protestant chaplains and others will have Catholic sailors and Marines around them, so they need to know something about the faith. And, Absolutely. and you were put there to, to help them understand it. Absolutely. And, you know, the, uh, the other two roles that chaplains uh, fulfill in the, in the sea services, we talked about the, the uh, providing religious ministry for your own, uh, your own folks who share the same faith and the facilitation of the practice of, of a free exercise of religion for the others. There is, uh, you are there for, uh, to provide care and, and counseling to everybody within the particular command, people of any faith, people of no faith at all. Everyone knows that they can come and talk to chaps. And one of the things that uh, is kind of distinct there among chaplains in, in all of the, uh, the C services is that the chaplain is somebody with whom you enjoy complete confidentiality where you know if, if you're struggling a, as a sailor or marine uh, you say something to someone in the chain of command and it, it triggers uh, you know mandatory conversation with the higher-ups and and so consequently you might not feel free to, to speak uh, speak your mind or express any struggles you might be having with anyone except the chaplain and so that's something that uh, in learning from the other chaplains is uh, those of different faiths and those who have been around the block once or twice or 10 times, you're able to, to be a better resource for any one of those folks who might come in, uh, whose own life experiences might be completely different than your own or anything you've ever heard of before. But because we're trained the way that we are, uh, hopefully there's a better chance of, uh, helping that person to be at ease, to, to ask the right questions, uh, to encourage them to, to, uh, to speak, speak their minds and, and all of that and give them the best possible care that we can. 
The fourth role there, in addition to the uh, providing, facilitating, caring, we actually have, there's an advisory capacity, which is pretty cool, where because we have the sense of what's going on within the command, because people can speak to the chaplain confidentially, uh, you've got an opportunity to be uh, sort of an advisor to the commanding officer so that he or she might better come to, to understand what's going on on the ground in a way that they might not otherwise. So you can say, you know, excuse me, sir, ma'am, uh, you know, there's, uh, from the trenches here, you've got, uh, there's a morale issue. Some of these, you know, these, these guys just found out that their, their tour got extended. They haven't been able to, to get a shower. They haven't, you know, this and that. And so, uh, you know, you can present that to the commanding officer, maybe present some ideas, uh, simple ways that morale might be improved without compromising the mission. And, uh, so that's an, an opportunity that, that you have there too. So it goes far beyond just, you know, I'm a, I'm a priest, so I want to go say mass. Uh, I want to, uh, you know, I, I'm a rabbi. I want to uh, perform uh, what would be kind of akin to synagogue services for the for the Jewish sailors and Marines. So it's it's really it's a, it's a really really neat thing, uh, you know, and goose visits included. Yeah, push-ups to boot. We want to hear about it. So yeah, that's it's, it's gross. I can imagine. I can imagine. So will you be attached to a reserve unit? Are you already? How does this work from here? Yeah, so every, everyone's got a home. Uh, I, I have a, a reserve unit. It's um, it's called a NOSC. It's a Naval uh, Operations Support Center. So you get all your trainings there. They make sure you're in. Uh, you're you're ready to go if you're ever called to, to serve uh, in in some capacity, someplace, whether it's uh, there's some national security issue, whether there's a, a, some sort of natural disaster, or God forbid, if there's some sort of uh, international uh, incident, you know, if we ever find ourselves in uh, real conflict that requires the, the the mobilization of reserves, you're ready to go. You don't have to say, "Oh, geez, I got to get my vaccinations," or "I got to go through my uh, these these uh, government mandated trainings." Here, you're trained up and ready to go. Uh, one of the things that, that's presenting itself now as, as an opportunity is uh, the, the chance to uh, to serve as a priest at the base chapel in, in Newport, where there hasn't been a Catholic assigned a Catholic priest assigned to that command in a while. Uh, there's been they're able to have mass on Sunday mornings because there's a priest from the Diocese of Providence uh, who will come in uh, on a contract, so he's he's not a a, a military chaplain, but uh, a retired padre who's able to come in and and offer mass and hear confessions and and do all that sort of stuff. Uh, now he's uh, he's not going to be able to continue his uh, his service, which he's done very well and faithfully for for a long time now. So uh, there's actually going to be a chance for me to go down and this almost you know have this as a uh, almost like a parish, right? Uh, so it would be. And Newport's huge. They call it the crossroads of the Navy. There are a bunch of commands down there. And, you know, spend a career in the Navy, you're going to spend some time in Newport. Uh, officer Development School, Officer Candidate School, the Naval Academy Preparatory School, the Naval War College, all kinds of different uh, uh, training commands are there. So there are always a, a ton of folks. And, uh, you know, it looks like I, I'm going to have a chance to be down there on that regular basis, Sunday, saying Mass and hearing confessions and and working with uh, some of those great men and women there, so it's yeah, it couldn't be uh, that couldn't be any better. You know, you get to uh, form relationships with those folks and bring them the sacraments, and and 
pray with them and talk about Jesus and all it's 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 good stuff um all the while, it looks like we'll, I'll probably get attached to uh, some other unit, and so I'll be uh, whether it's uh, with the Marines, with the Navy, with the Coast Guard, and uh, that usually requires uh, every two or three months you spend the, the weekend drilling with with them. Uh, but that could be that wouldn't be as local as Newport. Hopefully, someplace in the Northeast. The closer, the better. Uh, and so, if anyone's uh, anyone's listening to this in the Fourth Marines, but uh. You know, we can go to Fort Devens is ideal. Garden City, uh, New York, Philadelphia, something like that. Get your eye on a few places then. Well, yeah, and, and, and they, they, it's uh, from closest to furthest. Uh, that goes all the way down to New Orleans, though, so that might be a bit, a bit of a stretch. Concentric circles, that, that makes sense. A good right. way to, to look at those things. One more question on this before we move on to talking about your work here day-to-day at PC, is there anything in your, your family history or your experiences related to military or public service that may have kind of inspired you to look in this direction? Well, my, my father is a uh, uh, retired military, served in the, uh, in the Navy, and this has been a, 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 one, a great support for my parents, but in a particular way, my, this is the language that my father speaks. And so when I tell him I was, and I made a, a visit to this destroyer, well, he served on a, on a destroyer, had a, a med cruise um, on the, on the, uh, Robert Wilson. And so to say, all right, I was here. He goes, oh, did you see this? Did you see that? So that's, that's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, my, my uncle's also, uh, my godfather, uh, served in the Navy. My, my grandfather, uh, both grandfathers, one was, uh, served in the army, but, uh, my grandfather Murphy, my mother's father, uh, served in the Navy in World War II. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great blessing that he's still, uh, he's still with us and had a chance to come down and be part of the graduation ceremony and all that. And it's really, really cool to, to, to share that with him, you know, with everyone in the family, but him in, in particular, uh, along with my dad to see, you know, a few generations. Uh, but you want to see, you want to see somebody honored. You bring a, bring a World War II vet to one of these things. And it's, a uh, you know, there are a lot of people who with, you know, with, uh, all sorts of fancy decorations on their shoulder boards and, you know, the chief of chaplains, the two-star admiral and all this, but, you know, to have a, a World War II Navy vet is a, uh, is a pretty cool thing. So, yeah, there's, there's that history there, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be part of that in my own family. And honored they should be, the greatest generation indeed. So no that's doubt. really a nice thing. Oh, we could do a whole, whole episode sure. on that, right? That's for sure. Let's talk a bit about mission and ministry. Providence College, and, and for a lot of our listeners or alumni, and when we were here at various times, this part of the community has been arranged differently, organized differently, and has done different things. What is mission and ministry in 2019? What sorts of things do you manage in this in this division? Well, mission and ministry is um, anything that has to do with, with the Catholic and Dominican mission and identity of the college has, has something to do with my division. So the biggest part of that, uh, understandably, is uh, the Office of Campus Ministry in the chaplain's office. So we've got uh, a great team of, of Dominicans and, and lay campus ministers who are working uh, both within the chapel and the campus ministry center, but working across campus with uh, elements of the Office of Student Affairs, uh, most especially Res Life, and, and working with hall directors and uh, and RAs and the senior staff there to try to uh, to 
train them in, in things related to mission, but also have a presence there uh, in each one of the halls. Now, I'm, I'm sure you remember back in the day, as, as I do, uh, when I was a student here, you'd have a Dominican living in all of the residence halls. And so we had Father Ferguson in Guzman back in the day. Father uh, Detling in Fennel. Oh, in yeah, yeah big sigh. <laughs> big sigh, as he's sure known in my I office. Never uh, heard that before. I, I may have just made that now up. Now you tell me. Big sigh. Um, yeah, we had, and, you know, Father Shanley was the uh, was the hall director in Stevens Hall, which is now Feinstein. Uh, you know, so there's there's a, a rich history of Dominicans being involved in res life. Right now, there are very few Dominicans who actually live in the halls. Kind of the model of, of of res life has changed, where you don't have Dominicans serving as hall directors. You've got hall directors serving as hall directors, and um, so it's good to be able to take what I think is is the best of having Dominicans around back in the day to. Uh, you know, give all of the uh, all the students in the halls will have a chance to get to know at least one Dominican. This is your this is your hall chaplain, and to cultivate a relationship there, uh, you know, to have have him be kind of a spiritual presence. Uh, so we'll have our, our Dominicans sitting at the doors, helping with move in, uh, helping to move some boxes. You know, it's funny in in all of this. Uh, Father Peter Martyr, our our, our chaplain came in uh, for our weekly meeting last week and said, all right, I'm having a hard time getting all the assignments down. You know, we Dominicans, some go on to other things. Uh, you know, we don't have the same compliment to friars we do uh, as we did at the end of last year. So he goes, I need another hall chaplain. I said, well, where? Guzman. I, said, and I looked at him. I haven't been so insulted since I wasn't invited to Joe Carr's podcast. I said, well, when are you going to ask me? I, I'm Mr. Guzman here, right? I, I spent two years there. I've got all my, everything, everything I know in the world is through Guzman Hall. Ours is the class that took up the sod from in the front lawn and put it down in the shower, you know, because we wanted to, you know, who doesn't like walking through uh, morning dew on, on, the, on the front <laughs> lawn, right? That's the way, so we thought that was a good idea. We took up the sod, did not work so well in practice, but our hearts were in the right place. Our hearts were in the right place. Our bodies were in the right place come Saturday morning because we had a mandatory dorm cleaning uh, as a result of our, our creativity. The hall director at the time did not appreciate the creativity, unfortunately. Uh, anyway, I, I'm, I'm Mr. Guzman. What are you going to ask me? So I am uh, I'm very happy to come here on this podcast and announce formally that I am the new Guzman Hall chaplain, taking the part of the long tradition Going back to Father Fergus, as I said. Generations uh, of Guzman alumni are no doubt abs- very pleased. Very, very pleased. And, and so I get to, what's going to be creepier than, you know, having me there and move-in day and carrying boxes in for these kids and saying, this is my room. And nobody wants that. You know, they're going <laughs> to want blessings and exorcisms and, and stuff like that. Well, I'll ask them if I can just come by. You know, come by every so we'll often. See you Friday night. Unannounced. <laughs> come by and do it. Perfect. And so we, so we, uh, we're always looking for opportunities to uh, to do all that. The more um, we can engage with students on their own terms, on their turf, the more we can expose them to as many Dominicans as possible, uh, different generations, different interests. Uh, you know, this one uh, might not get along with me, which I completely understand, uh, but might get along famously with this other guy. Great. Wonderful. You know, so... Uh, that's something that, that the campus ministry folks are doing beyond just uh, campus ministry working there. We've also got a, a great program that's going into its second year uh, working with athletics. So all of our athletic teams 
have a, a Dominican friar or a sister who are attached to that team, and they'll go to practices and games or matches and uh, get to know the student athletes and the coaching staffs and, and all of that. And you drew a very good assignment on that front, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell who the bosses, right? The, <laughs> my, my division. I get first. I get first dibs. I'm the uh, hockey chaplain, uh, men's men's ice hockey chaplain. So we get a chance to spend some time with coach and the boys are, are, are dynamite and uh, spent a lot of time with those guys last year and uh, made a good run into the Frozen Four and uh, you know just came a few minutes away from winning the national championship because, like yourself, I'm convinced that if we get past Duluth, there we. We take care of business in the national championship game, but absolutely, um, what a team Duluth had, and what's better than hockey players? They're great people. To be honestly, around. what's better than what's better than hockey players? Uh, that could be another podcast. I'm, just all all of <laughs> yes. the things that we're laying out uh, a whole season of. We'll call it Kyron Cuddy on the Providence College podcast. A whole separate channel. That sounds good. <laughs> we're, we're we're ready whenever you yeah. are. Um, would you expand a little bit on the role of the lay professionals staff? in this operation, your associate vice president is Bob Funder, a lay person. Yeah. And a great many people really playing incredibly important roles in this important work. Sure. Boy, uh, we'd even start with that. Uh, on the on the campus ministry level, uh, we've got some great lay campus ministers, uh, the director of retreats, the director of peer ministry, the director of liturgical music, uh, to name a few, and I don't want to leave anyone out, but these are folks who have a great love for the church, uh, love the Lord, uh, uh, received the, these calls to ministry, which they've gone out and uh, they've, they've done work uh, kind of testing that call. They've gone and done uh, professional training at, you know, different uh, uh, theology faculties, Boston College, Notre Dame, Villanova, uh, places that have real top programs for, for lay campus ministers, uh, you know, to give a theological, but also kind of a pastoral framework for this work. And and we've been we've been very very lucky over the years, dating back to uh, before my time as chaplain. We've been able to to uh, to recruit and hire the best of the best. It's been it's such a, a privilege to to work with with some of these folks, including Bob Funder, uh, whom you mentioned, is now serving as uh, associate vice president for mission and ministry. So the two of us work together uh, overseeing the division here. But that started, that relationship started when I was chaplain. I hired Bob as, as campus minister. And he's, uh, he's one of the smartest guys I know. He's read everything. He is, he's got a tremendous heart for ministry. Uh, he's generous. He's creative. He, he's hardworking. He's, he's, uh, he's good humored. He's the best. And uh, it's very important now, uh, I think. And, and if there's anybody who, who listens to this podcast, Who's from you know a, a generation or two before when it was it was all Dominicans all the time? That's not that's not the the place that we've got here today, and that's good. It's good. There's uh, uh, when you, when you think about the the Catholic and Dominican identity of Providence College and the mission that kind of springs from that. Uh, this is it has to be uh, a, a a team endeavor. You've got to have you got to have the Dominicans. I mean the Providence College without the Dominicans probably isn't Providence College. But at the same time, uh, this place is great because we've had so many people who aren't Dominicans. You know, they, these, these great lay faculty and staff members who either maybe they're alums themselves and have had great experiences of that and want to 
continue their, their work uh, at the college, kind of paying forward gifts that they had received when they were students, uh, or, or you know, found this to be such a meaningful part of their lives that they want to make this their professional home as well. And you know, we've got so many people, legends, who, whose, whose names are on classrooms and lecture halls and, and, and some buildings here, who have been great partners in the cultivation of, uh, of the mission and identity of the place. And that's, I, I think we've got that uh, represented very well and, and expressed very clearly in the way that our, our staff is, uh, is organized, especially with, you know, with, with, uh, with myself and with Bob working together. There's, there's nothing that doesn't happen in the division that isn't, uh, isn't somehow being kicked around by, by the two of us together. And so it was actually the first thing that I did when, uh, when I had the opportunity to come back and found out, you know, the, the provincial and talking to Father Shanley that, that I was going to, to come back here. I was on Bob Funder's porch, honest to goodness. Uh, <laughs> I, I found out late in the afternoon and I showed up on Bob Funder's porch a couple hours later and, and told him, uh, hey, well, guess what? I'm, I'm coming back in this capacity. And he was all excited. We did the bro hug and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, he and I have been talking about for years, geez, you know, what are the things that we think are important and what are the things that we'd want to do if we had a chance to, you know, to work in, in this capacity? He goes, well, I'm really happy that you've got a chance to do this. I said, well, this is, this next part's going to knock your socks off. I said, I, I want you, uh, I want you to come with me and let's, let's do this together. We've been, uh, you know, we've been running our mouths off for years about, you know, we should do this and we should emphasize that and. Uh, want to give it a shot. And so he says, all right, well, you know, my wife and I have to pray about it, which, and I kind of rolled my eyes at it, uh, you know, which is always good when the priest <laughs> rolls his eyes, you say, you got to pray. And I'm like, all right, you done yet? <laughs> have you prayed enough? This is the let's voice go. of God, Bob say, yes, let's go. <laughs> let's get to work. Uh, and happily the, the fruit of that prayer was Bob and his great white wife, Liz, uh, saying, all right, this is something we want to do. So so here we are. And Bob, incidentally, also an OM class of 2009. 2009. So, yeah. Loved it so much. He, he joined the company. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's the best. Uh, I, I've actually, I think it's one of the things that I've been able to do well is uh, hire people who are much smarter than I am. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's unbelievable. The staff that we've got in the campus ministry office, they're unbelievable. So it's a, uh, uh, it's a really talented, generous, creative, faithful group, and uh, I'm proud to be part of the team. Incidentally, it's probably amplified here because we have a small number of people in a in a, a large number of people in a small place. But this important role played by the lay members of your staff reflects, to some extent, what we see in our parishes. Absolutely, right? so it's not surprising. No, absolutely, and you know, um, if you look at the uh, some of the larger issues facing the church right now, obviously there's the, uh, you know, so many self-inflicted wounds related to the clergy sexual abuse scandal. Uh, one of the things that that's come out loud and clear is that, you know, for, for there to be healing and renewal in the church, this is not going to be the work of the clergy alone. Of course it won't happen without the clergy. Uh, but this is uh, the, this is something that, that requires uh, the, again, the, the generosity, the creativity, uh, the, the hard work, uh, the, the, the teamwork 
that we should have as as members of the body of Christ, not just uh, not just you know these folks over here, but you know the whole the whole body working together. You know, so this is if if there's going to be that kind of renewal, that's something that 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 needs to happen across all kinds of divides, including most importantly, I think uh, the, the clergy and, and lay. Uh, and that, and that's actually what you talk about projects that we've got going on. You know, I, I just kind of highlighted the the campus ministry side of things, but we've got the Center for Catholic and Dominican Studies, and uh, I think part of what what Father Shanley had in mind when he created the Office of Mission and Ministry when he began his his presidency in, in two thousand five. First things he did, incidentally, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, uh, was he wanted to put uh, he wanted to elevate uh, mission and ministry, which is obviously so important to that cabinet level, so that part of uh, all of the conversations, whether related to finance and business or academics or student affairs or uh, legal or in, anything like that, there'd be uh, a mission voice there to, uh, to, uh, to add to the discussion or ask questions or try to you know, kind of uh, ping all of those different areas to see what role uh, should mission play in here so that uh, questions of mission and identity might come to, to permeate all of the areas of the college. So, so I, I, I think that's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very clever move. Uh, well, of course I think it's a clever move, Joe. I, I wouldn't have a job otherwise. Uh, and when I, you know, Father Shanley is listening, I want to make sure that he knows how important I think the division of uh, well, Office of Mission Ministry is. I think know? we all think it's okay. paid major dividends. Just, uh, <laughs> and get nervous, you know? Um, Understandable. Yeah. The, um, and, and we think that the, um, you know, we think that the the Catholic University is going to have a, a very important role to play in in finding that 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 healing and 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 uh, renewal in the church broadly, and not just the, the scandal, things related to uh, sexual abuse scandal, but you know, it, by and large, you know, you go in, you go to the parish, you look in the pews, they're not full as they would have been however long ago. You just look at the demographics here, right? When uh, some of the, the the traditional feeders that we've had for Providence College, and we've drawn so many of our great uh, students from over the years, aren't producing the same number of of students in, in the same way. You know, some of those uh, we've got fewer and fewer uh, uh, larger Catholic families in, in the Northeast, uh, and so we're, we're naturally we're not going to see as many applicants and not, we're not going to see as many students enroll from those traditional areas and you know we've got to we've got to take that into consideration and uh you know raul fonts and his team my goodness gracious what a, a great job they've done in trying to I mean, we still get record numbers of applications and and uh higher than anticipated numbers of en- enrolled students and all that shows that how, how brilliant they've been able to respond to that the changing demographic but nevertheless we've got to uh to to recognize that we've got some some we've got some issues in the church that if they're not uh, attended to, uh, we're going to see ourselves fewer and fewer and fewer, uh, you know. And and we believe that the that the Catholic University, in in general, in Providence College in particular, can in fact have a part to play in in helping to uh, helping to make. Christ known and loved, and have uh, you know to communicate the, the the contents of the faith. You know this is what the Catholic Church is all about. Oftentimes, you see uh, 
you know, e even among the Catholic students who come here, you know, uh, not a great devotion and love for their own faith. Are you Catholic? Yeah. When's the last time you went to Mass? Confirmation. And it's not that there's anything against it necessarily, but there's nothing really for it either. And so if we can take advantage of the opportunities that we have here in the classroom and outside of the classroom to kind of make uh, a proposal for the faith to say, hey, uh, your, your lives are going to be better off for having this, this relationship with the Lord. Uh, your lives are going to be better off for being a regular participant in, uh, in the life of the church, most especially going to Mass. Uh, it's not just a, here's something you do, it stinks, suck it up. You know, it's no good for now, but the, the eternal rewards are wonderful. But this is a, you know, having this relationship with, with the Lord it lived at the heart of the church takes nothing away from what makes life good, but actually uh, makes that which is good even better. You know, if we can, if we can make that proposal to our students and in, in a way in, invite all of the members of the community into that, uh, we'll have performed a, a wonderful vitally important service to the church both locally here and then hopefully when you know when people go home and go back to the places uh they came from uh they'll be able to bring that with them so this evangelization makes me think of one of the many great initiatives of campus uh, mission and ministry and that is the rcia program and every spring we have this beautiful sunday event where students uh, are drawn to a sacrament uh, baptism or confirmation, and and it's just an incredible thing to see this happen. I wonder how that feels to you when you see this event, when you see these young people taking these important steps in their lives. I'll tell you, it, it's a great source of hope, Joe. That's um, that's that's my takeaway in, in the middle of that mass because I get to, um, you know, I, I had my my seven years working in campus ministry, and you know, you that's that's a that's a tough thing. Uh, you know, Father Bonaventure Chapman has just gone on for, for doctoral studies, but he shepherded that program through for a couple of years. Father Dominic Werner had, had done the same, uh, Father Justin Brophy. And by the way, all these knuckleheads are, are, are fighting with each other. Who's got the biggest uh, class? Who's brought the most students and blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it's really, it's, it's, it's a noble thing that they're doing, trying to compete with one another. It doesn't matter, you know, just get the numbers up. That's, that's, that's their whole mo. Uh, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, but th that's a, that's a, a lot of heavy lifting trying to get all of the students to that uh, that day. So RCIA, in case anyone doesn't know, is the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, and uh, it's a program that we've offered uh, since before I was a student here at Providence College. And it'd be a say you're a, a student who's never been baptized before, but you're interested in all right, what's this. I'm kind of surrounded by all this. Give me a give me a Catholicism 101. So you might come to better understand what the church is, or uh, if you feel drawn to it but haven't known what to do with that that initial tug. All right. So you go through this this program. It starts from the very beginning uh, of you know does God exist and go all the way through. This is what the church teaches. Here's how the church prays. Here's what it, uh, here's the the social doctrine of the church. It will lean into some of the uh, uh, some of the difficult uh, moral teachings of the church that kind of give so many people fits. Here's why the church teaches what she teaches this, this and that. Um, and, and the whole year long program is designed to, uh, to bring students to that point where 
they'd be baptized and received into the church and, and receive First Holy Communion and, and be confirmed. Uh, but it's also it's also for students who, you know, baptized but never received First Holy Communion. First Holy Communion, but we fell off. You know, we moved at the beginning of high school. I never got confirmed. Uh, and what's really, really cool about this is that we see students who are not entering the program because they were dragged by the ear by their parents. That was my story, right? And you mentioned Braintree, Massachusetts. Uh, uh, honest to God, Joe, I went to, I, I was such a meathead in, in high school. I went to confirmation class, not because of great devotion, you know, for the sacrament that was to come. It's because, uh, it's because Jill Geary was in the class, <laughs> uh, you know, and that, and, and all the guys in, in our high school class had a crush on Jill Geary, and I, I didn't have a chance. Uh, but this this one and a half hours every week at Mrs. McKinnon's house over Twizzlers and those ten ounce cups of Diet Coke, uh, where this is this is exclusive Cuddy and Jill Geary time right here. So I had a chance to to work my magic there. Uh, uh, that worked out pretty well, obviously. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, what do we know I, I, about Jill today? Join the, the priesthood. Any idea, idea how she's doing? I, I'm sure she's doing wonderfully well. I'm sure she's doing wonderfully well. Um, that'll be another podcast. The the where the where are you now, Jill Geary? Um, <laughs> so anyway, that that was my level of devotion. I went because I had to go, and I went through and uh, didn't have a whole lot to to say one way or the other. If you asked me the day of confirmation, what's confirmation? You would have got a lot of stuttering and a lot of uh, you know misdirection and and all that. But these students who go through OCIA now, they want to go. They're, there's something that they find to, to be true, to be good, to be beautiful about what it is that they're learning. And so that's the thing. Like when you see a 20-year-old get all fired up and really enter into the, the course of instruction and then the celebration of the sacraments at the end, uh, to, to actually see that is such a joy. Like I said, like so I don't have to do the heavy lifting now. I'm not the one who's trace, chasing them down get these papers, fill out these forms, where's your sponsor, stand right here. I just get to kind of watch it from the sanctuary with gratitude to God and to the, uh, to the Dominicans and the, uh, the campus ministers who are able to bring them along. And it's like, if this can work for this group, well, why not, why not a larger group? Why not, uh, you know, there, there, there aren't any situations so desperate that we shouldn't you know, throw ourselves in and make that invitation to them. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that we're seeing now that's so great, and this is, I think a lot of us knew this uh, on the level of, of instinct, kind of a gut feeling, that students who go through this program are the best evangelists in all of this because they, they're able to, to invite their own friends, right? And so, hey, listen, I went through RCIA. You ought to go to this meeting and check this out. I'll bring you to the meeting. Uh, you know, or I'll be involved. I want to be one of the teachers next year. If I go and say, hey, kids, you ought to do RCIA, get, you know, receive First Holy Communion and, and uh, Sacrament of Confirmation. It's great. Or, you know, your life is going to be better. Kids could say, and, and I understand why, well, of course you say that. Look at you. You're a Dominican. You're a priest. Look at what you're wearing. Oh, hey, guys, you know, you're never going to believe it. Dominican priest says, go to Mass. We'll make you happy, you know, but when it comes from a classmate or it comes from a roommate, you know, uh, that can be the, that can be the introduction to, uh, 
to that relationship with the Lord that that kid needs. That can provide that that first step that uh, after which so many other joyful, life-giving steps can follow, it, which is, you know, I don't know why we're such idiots, Joe. We, uh, you know, we try to reinvent the wheel with new models of evangelization. This is, this is from the gospel, right? Come and see. This is, you know, this was uh, the disciples inviting their friends to come and meet Jesus. This is, why, why does it take so long to come back to, you know, so, you know, imagine me at prayer going, hey, Lord, you're never going to believe it. This is what we found worked. You know, and the Lord says back, uh, yeah, did you read the book? <laughs> did, I, did I give you the New Testament? Haven't we been doing this for 2,000 years? Um, so that's, that's a great, uh, it's one of the reasons, too, that the, the program continues to grow. Uh, you know, we, and we've been able to have a, a record number of students every year come through. I think we had 43, 45 last year, something like that. Uh, I wanted to say we had more when I was chaplain. And I was given definitive proof that we did not, so I had to so eat a little humble pie. Had to back off on that a little. Oh, well. yeah, but you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, Joe. You can absolutely. They're building a lovely house on the foundation that was laid <laughs> in blood, sweat, and prayers for all those years of the Cuddy era. And every single one of those students is is a, a great a great achievement. So that's and a good the way to look great, at it. Great saints doing all sorts of great mm-hmm. things, and you know, I can I just remind the guys now that they're you know they're buying last year's model. <laughs> Let's talk a, a little bit about your journey. And thank you. You've been very generous with your time, but this is uh, terrific. I'd like to keep going a little bit longer. What? Tell us about that path from the young man at confirmation through your time at Providence College to ordination as a Dominican friar. Joe, there's nothing I like talking about more than myself. And I was, frankly, I was wondering when we were going to get around to it. That's the whole key to hosting a podcast. Yep. Um, no, I came to I came to Providence College uh, not because it was Catholic or Dominican. I honestly had never heard of the Dominicans before coming to uh, to PC. Uh, I actually came because it was on the way home from the University of Rhode Island. Uh, we were visiting there. Dad said we ought to stop off at PC, and uh, and sure enough, uh, you know, it, it just it felt right and. I'm I'm thrilled to to have an opportunity to be on the podcast finally, uh, but to talk to so many people who have gone through Providence College who have a connection to Providence College because this needs no explanation, right? You step on campus and there's just something there that fits. Uh, you know, I, I walked around and you know the, the campus looked the same as other campuses. It doesn't anymore. It's spectacular. Uh, the library had you know however hundred many hundred thousand bound volumes blah 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 it was just there was something about the students that we met along the way and thought you know this place is this is a special place so i i wind up coming here but again that 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 high school punk who was taken by the ear uh to mrs mckinnon's house for the twizzlers and the diet coke uh well you know if, if i went to mass because my family went to mass I was, and if I was on my better behavior, it was because, you know, mom was sitting up both straight on the couch waiting for me and my sister to get home. First thing you do, come in here, give me a, give me a kiss, you know, and so that, that's going to keep a, keep a guy on his better behavior. Where have you been? Who have you been with? Um, so I thought, well, I'm going to go away to school and mom's not going to be there and I, she's not going to drag me to mass and I can stay out as late as I want and I can do whatever I want. And so I thought I was going to, uh, 
get after it. Well, you know, come I was going to be a, a wild student here. Uh, but then, uh, you know, a, a funny thing happened on the road to, to debauchery. Um, and that was, I fell in with a bunch of guys in Guzman Hall. We're back to Guzman again. Who, though no, uh, you know, they, they were saints in the making, we'll say. Uh, in addition to the, the, the ordinary uh, knucklehead stuff that guys in Guzman do with tearing up the sod and, you know, uh, doing the hall slip and slide and stuff like that. Um, these are guys who, who went to mass. And somebody, again, we talk about come and see. There was a guy who, uh, who said, hey, we're all going to mass. Do you want to come? Oh, all right, sure. And so one of the, one of the great moments uh, that I, I've had in my, my relationship with God was this instinct. And I, I think it it's, comes directly from God uh, and God breaking through all the noisiness of, of my own life and the blindness of my own eyes. And there was this, this, this instinct that says, all right, if you're going to go do this, if you're not going to go to church, if you're going to go and be a, be a meathead because you saw Animal House once, you know. Uh, only once? Yeah, we only once. All right, more than once. <laughs> uh, you know, at least know what it is that you're going to be leaving behind. I thought, I'm in college now. This is the intellectually honest thing to do. So what is it? And so I got to know a little bit uh, about the faith and had a, huh, well, I ought to learn more about this. And this came through, uh, it came through the, the classroom. I remember some of the, uh, some great uh, theology classes and being exposed to some of the uh, historical, uh, uh, was the history of the church, but also some of the, the classics of Christian spirituality that were exposed to in Civ. A lot of this came through, uh, through campus ministry which is one of the reasons why I was so blown away by the opportunity to come back and serve a, a, as chaplain, was that uh, the chaplain at the time, Father Joseph Barringer, had such a profound experience on me uh, in, in my friends. You know, for us, the priest was the guy who came out and said mass on Sundays. It's kind of like the, 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 what do you call it, the little figure on a cuckoo clock, right? It comes out at the hour, arms out, spins around, does this thing, goes back in. Uh, that was kind of what... Uh, what the priest was like, we get to be involved with, with campus ministry and, and all be inspired by uh, and come to experience the, the love of, of him and some of the other Dominicans here. And so it was one of these things, the more I came to know about it, the more I loved it, the more I loved it, the more I wanted to know about it and, and all of that. Uh, and not just good times, but it, we had some, some real moments of crisis on, on campus, which uh, again, for the PC community listening, you know, uh, God bless Providence College, but every every so often we'll have, uh, you know, a, 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 some crisis visit the campus, and whether it's uh, in an accident or students uh, students passing away, uh, you know, we've we've had more than our share uh, of those things, and and somehow when they come up, and I experienced this as a student, as chaplain, as, as vice president. Somehow Providence College as a community rises to the occasion and we, we, we're at our best when, uh, you know, when the worst visits us here. Uh, and I was just, I was taking a family across campus uh, last week. We just met out in front of Harkins. They got turned around. They didn't know where their car was. And so I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm walking that way, you know, towards your car. So why are you here? He said, well, uh, we're from Westport, Connecticut, and we know the Cardello family. And, you know, everyone, uh, 
knows here, the one of our, our students passed away last year, Gus Cardello, uh, and the family said, you know, we had we were so moved by how the students responded to try to take care of each other and to take care of Gus's family and all this that we knew this is a special place we wanted to be we wanted to be a part of of all this and and I was reflecting on that thing that this this has happened in all of these different ways different students different circumstances different generations but this is always something uh, that we've we've known here at, at PC and it's one of the things that that drew me more and more into my faith and nudged me towards a Dominican vocation was the the role that the church, the priesthood, the Dominicans can play in in, in times of, of real difficulty for individual students who might be suffering the loss of, of a parent or sibling or someone close or some sort of other crisis in their own lives or the community at large. So there was a, a profoundly uh, important, deep, impact that 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 uh was made in my own life that god was making through the dominicans through providence college so by the end i thought i've got to i've got to look into the possibility of doing this otherwise you know my heart's not going to be not going to find any rest here uh, so i'll just you know we'll kick the tires on a on a dominican vocation and again the more the more i came to know about it the more i came to love it the more it just sort of fit I can so, so much of my life, Joe. I, I look back and see uh, just confirmations of a call. We talked about this early with Navy chaplaincy. Along the way, some really long days, some difficult stuff, and uh, finding real peace in, in the midst of that, and take that as a as a confirmation of the call. Same thing with, with uh, you know, I come to know more and more about what it would mean to be a Dominican. All right, that makes sense. Take another step here. Take another step here. I, I will join. I know we'll make vows. Now we'll, you know, in vows for a certain period of time, let's make final vows, solemn vows until death. Move on to the diaconate, uh, uh, you know, ordination to the priesthood all those years later. It was the same thing with, with coming here in the first place. You take a tour across campus and say, all right, there's something that just fits, you know, and, and it, it defies any sort of scientific understanding. There's no real theological explanation of, of the whole thing. It's a, there really is something to be said for that, gut feeling that's there now it's not all gut but it's certainly it's that the gut feeling isn't to be uh ignored and so the more I, I i the more i came to know the more i came to love it and um you know um here we are all these all these many years later well the greatest confirmation may be what you said in the first minute you described yourself as the happiest dominican there is or words to that effect yeah You're happy. yeah absolutely Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and it's important to, to emphasize that point too. It's that the happiness is not always this, this unfettered joy, right? So it's in the midst of, of some real struggles and some difficult times. And uh, I think it's one of the things that, that we all struggle with is uh, how do you come to understand, all right, I'm not really feeling it right now. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't describe myself as, as all that joyful. And nevertheless, what I'm doing is right. The place where I am is where I'm supposed to be. You know, because this is, there's nothing perfect this side of heaven. And in the presence of a, a tough period is by no means an indication that, you know, that we're in the wrong place. It means, hey, you're human. You know, welcome to the club, fellow. You know, we get 
we got hats and jackets and everything, you know. Um, and so that that's an important thing to uh, to be mindful of. So that that experience of of being happy and and, and confident and, and, and secure, knowing I'm where God wants me to be, is not uh, is not an experience that's unfamiliar with times of real struggle too. You know, there's a <laughs> There are goose droppings everywhere, Joe. That's a call back to an hour and a half ago when we started this conversation. If anyone came in at the halfway point, you wouldn't understand. So go back and listen to the beginning. A perfect place to, to wrap it up, I think. this uh, We had high expectations, Father, and after all this time, and you have uh, exceeded them by a mile. Let's we do this again, Joe. so much. We've got much more we can cover, and we will definitely take you up on that. So Let's do we this appreciate again. The, the offer. The Cuddy and Car podcast. Car and Cuddy, excuse me. That's not, I don't want to be presumptuous. Oh, no, reverse alphabetical order is better. Okay. You've got it right that way. All so right. thank you so much for your time. This has been great. We really thank appreciate you, Joe. It. God bless you. Appreciate all your, your great work, and you get a great team here. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's wonderful to be able to be here on campus with you and uh, uh, everyone grab an oar and start pulling, you know? We're all very lucky, that's for sure. Amen. That's for sure. And thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the Providence College Podcast at all the usual places, and they're available on the college's YouTube channel. Feedback is welcome at podcast at providence.edu. Thanks to our producer, Chris Judge. I'm Joe Carr. Until next time.